Hey, it's Andrew. Miles is here too. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. So as we've been covering COVID-19 and doing all this kind of stuff, we've been trying to keep the ads out of the podcast. But one thing that we did want to mention is that if you want to support local journalism, if you want to support what we're doing here, if these updates have been useful for you, one thing that you can do to help us out right now is to buy something from our shop. We have a really cool shop at doorcountypulse.com slash shop. And there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. Yeah, we have great posters from our art director, Ryan Miller of the Door County state parks we have posters of the door county lighthouses the two volume door county living in pictures books and a lot of other great stuff even stickers like if you buy a sticker all of those purchases go to help support this podcast and the work we do each week with the peninsula pulse sending the news out to every mailbox in the county and we can do all that for free when you do that you're supporting the work we're doing here and the weekly edition of the Peninsula Pulse. Once again, that is doorcountypulse.com slash shop. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? I'm doing all right, Andrew. You have been uh, hard at work making phone calls and doing other stuff there at the office. I have been hanging out here and waiting for you to update me on the numbers and stuff. So uh, that's kind of the dichotomy that we have going on right now. Both of us uh, very integral in the process. (laughs) I have been keeping track of kind of what's going on at the national level. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, But on the docket today, we have some updates about stuff. We'll go through the numbers. Uh, You also uh, had a phone conversation with Steve Jenkins from DCEDC. So we'll jump into that after we're done here uh, with some updates on the business community in Door County and how they're Mm -hmm. dealing with COVID-19. And then we'll talk about the CARES Act a little bit too. Um, I know that you had spoken with him a little bit about that as well for some clarification. So... We'll, we'll give kind of a, a primer on that before we jump in. Great. So why don't we start with the Wisconsin numbers? Uh, what are we looking at this afternoon? I kind of hate doing this sort of <laughs> tracking the numbers journalism, but obviously this is where we get a, a grasp of where we're at um, locally. Right. Uh, today, we saw our biggest one-day jump to 842 cases in the state of Wisconsin, now 13 deaths. That is, we are now doubling on a pace of every three days. So if that continues, we would expect to see see 1,600 cases by Monday when we talk. So hopefully that's not the case. But um, one thing Andrea Palm did say today is, that's the uh, Wisconsin Health Secretary, is that most of these cases, if not all of these cases, are probably people who got the infection before the safer at home order. Sure. So this would go back to sometime last week, most likely, maybe even before they shut bars and restaurants. So nothing we're seeing in the numbers now is any indication of whether or not this, the distancing is, is working yet. That we won't probably know if that's starting to make an impact until a week or so from now. So it's tough to do this right now as everyone goes crazy when you you can't, there's nothing that says, ding, ding, you've hit your mark. You're doing a great job. We, we just don't know. Right. The other thing with this too is it is kind of hard to judge things because there's a, a myriad of different circumstances that you have to look at. So number one, the number of confirmed cases is not the number of total cases there are. It's just the positive tests that we have. There are plenty of people who are sick with COVID-19 who either haven't been tested or whose test results haven't come back yet. So the, the number of positive IDs is not not conclusive with the number of total cases. And then the other big thing too is COVID-19 can live in your system for two weeks without showing any symptoms. So until we reach that kind of two week out from our safer at home order, it's hard to tell whether or not anything is working like you alluded to. So it's a waiting game. And though the number of cases are doubling over time, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that the number of people getting infected is going up. It just means the number of positive IDs are going right. up. And one thing they, they said on today's press conference with reporters was there are likely 10 times, some of the models estimate that there are 10 times the number of cases actually out there right now than, than are tested. So by that model, right. you'd see about 8,000 cases in Wisconsin right now. Sure. And then the hope would be that eventually our tests will catch up to the number of actual cases. We're, we're playing a game of keep up right now because we're not testing a ton. Uh, but the, the hope is that eventually the numbers of positive IDs and the numbers of actual cases of COVID-19 start to reach an equilibrium and then go down. One interesting number I saw last night, we passed 500,000 cases worldwide. It took us four months to get to 250,000 cases. It took one week to double that to 500,000 cases. That's all just tested cases. So obviously there's many right. more out there. But. Well, and that's another example of that exponential spreading. I also heard headlines uh, last night and today that the U.S. has become the the highest infected country in the world. Do you have any more information on that? Uh, yeah, we did surpass China. Um, we're up over 95,000 um, confirmed cases. Italy is pretty hot on our tails in that category as well. Uh, they have also passed China and uh, Spain is just looking terrible. The numbers from Italy today, the latest 24 hour count there, they've had their highest increase in number of deaths. Nearly a thousand people died in the last 24 hours in Italy. Um, they are now storing bodies in trucks, cooler trucks. The, uh, the One of the more disconcerting numbers there is 45 doctors have died of the virus in Italy so far. So imagine being an overtapped healthcare system and then losing that many doctors. And many of these doctors and healthcare workers who you're seeing die of this or be um, infected are older. You're more experienced people. You know, there's, these people are on the ground learning about how to treat these patients and learning better ways. And then when they either die or are infected and have taken out of that workforce, you're losing that experience. Um, right. It's it's just uh, it just makes the situation harder and harder. In in Boston, there are now 165 healthcare workers. So now you have another region with so many people being taken out of the battle to combat the disease. Right. You know, we talk we talk all the time about uh, getting back to normal. And once this all blows over, we'll try to get back to normal. But when you hear numbers like a thousand people dying in 24 hours in Italy, you have to understand that for some people, normal is going to be pretty different from here on out. Those are people's husbands and wives and partners and mothers and fathers and grandparents and children. So while, while we may return to normalcy, some people's lives are forever going to be changed by this. Mm -hmm. A couple other notes today. Tony Evers has put a moratorium on foreclosures and evictions in the state during the crisis. So people who maybe have missed rent payments or mortgage payments right now, um, they can't be booted, which is, I, I think, probably a great move and a welcome move for a lot of folks. Probably not a welcome move for a lot of landlords. <laughs> he has also asked the legislature to pass a motion so that to send a absentee ballot to every single Wisconsinite hmm. so that everybody is encouraged to vote. He's also asking for uh, a delay in the requirement for when that count give give local clerks more time to, to count these ballots and allow any ballot to count that is postmarked by election date. None of that has passed. He hasn't made an executive order. He is asking the legislature to do that to make sure everyone can vote because so many people are going to be scared to go to the polls. Um, right. And that's as of now. I mean, that's that election is 10 days away. So what what may happen throughout this state in those 10 days might drastically impact the election. It's not unprecedented. Ohio pushed back um, its election already two weeks ago. 
So and the other states have done that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how democracy plays out in all this. Right. You know, speaking of rent, I see a lot of people calling online and, and running petitions, asking their local legislature to suspend rent payments and to uh, like suspend utility payments and stuff like that. Is that something that you've seen passed anywhere in the United States and now other places are trying to follow that example? Or is that something that people are just calling for right now? Uh, there are states that have enacted some things. I think California's governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, kind of voluntarily asked banks to sign on. At last time I checked, Bank of America was the only one that didn't agree to delay mortgage payments. Uh, I think New York has done that. So it is something that's happening. Um, it is it's a diff, it's a more difficult decision than people make it out to be because as a if you're a renter or the the mortgage pay payer, you're saying, yes, this would help me a lot. Like just I shouldn't have to pay my mortgage right now. But somebody else maybe owns that building that you rent from or owns or has a, carries that mortgage like that. That's being taken away from somebody else. And even though most people assume, yes, there are some large corporate um, apartment owners and they may have deep pockets, but most people aren't budgeting for not getting rent from thousands of people every day. And even if you are just renting a home to somebody, most of the time your mortgage payments, you, you are budgeting to get that rent to pay most of that mortgage. So it's if, if I don't pay my rent, my landlord doesn't have that money. So you have to have the mortgage payment and the rent payment kind of all coupled together. Um, and, it, and that's all money that's being taken out of the economic flow. So and not the most difficult thing in in all of our problems right now, but it's it's not as simple as just waving a wand and saying, I shouldn't have to pay rent because, well, now your your landowner might be paying rent too. Who knows? Right. Uh, anything else about the, the situation nationally before we uh, jump into the CARE Act and your conversation with Steve Jenkins? Um, one thing nationally that's interesting, and there was a, a tweet by a um, scientist called Liz Specht on March 6th, and this is the one that first made me really concerned about COVID-19 and it just went into the doubling rate. And at that time, she looked at the number of cases and she said, let's assume Wisconsin ha or the United States has 2000 cases right now. That's not how many were confirmed at the moment. That seems like a long time ago to think of 2000 cases, right? right. Um, but she said, if that's the number we have out there and if we double every these kind of pandemics double every six days. So she said that would mean by the end of April, we'd have a million cases. And by May 5th, we'd have 2 million cases. And I, I remember reading that and thinking that math is crazy. And then I got out my calculator and I did the math and you're like, oh yeah, 2,000 to 4,000. It really goes pretty fast and the exponential growth is pretty fast. But it seemed kind of crazy. But as I looked it looked it up and, and looked at other sources, that did seem right and that did seem to be the case in China and Italy. And sure enough, if you look at our numbers right now, we actually appear to be on pace to pass that and, and grow much faster than that. Mm. Right now, we are doubling in the United States um, every five days. Now, granted, that's partially because our testing is ramping up. So um, and we're just testing a lot more people. So all these kind of latent cases are now showing up in our in our database. But as you and I both know, there there's still a huge testing shortfall. So we still have so far to go just to catch up in our testing. And we still have tons of hospitals who are saying, yeah, you probably have it, but you're young. You look relatively healthy. You don't have severe symptoms. So we're not even going to bother testing you. We're just going to tell you to stay home. Um, right. 
And that's happening all over the country. So now if you take look at those those doubling numbers and we right now have been doubling every five days, you get well beyond the million case threshold by the end of April, which is right. really startling. And then our our death numbers are doubling at that, I think, a three day pace, which might be more indicative. So something something to watch for now, hopefully all of these distancing measures, which are like Wisconsin's is the severest level of it. The really taking it serious is maybe only five days old, especially in our urban areas. We're lucky in Door County, you see a lot more of this kind of people taking it much more seriously because we're just not that populated. Right. <laughs> um, but in the urban areas, it's harder to do that because there's just nowhere to go. I can go for a walk up here in a, in a city. If you're an apartment building, it's just harder to do this. Um, but you're seeing some states Maybe that distancing is going to show up and make an impact in a week or two. In other states where in such as Mississippi, Alabama, where the governors have kind of actively fought against making these measures, you're seeing those southern states at per million people, their infection rates are double to triple New York's. So you could see a, a pretty rapid catastrophe unfold in some of those states that are not implementing these measures. So. Right. I don't know. It, hopefully we're we're telling a much more positive story, at least for Wisconsin, five, six, seven days from now. Yeah, we didn't mention the Door County numbers at the beginning of this. Still no cases in Door County. Uh, I'm assuming the moment we have a case in Door County, that'll be the first thing we mention on the podcast. So if, if you're biting your nails every episode waiting for the Door County numbers, uh, we will try to get that information out front and center. Yeah, and uh, the Department of Health Services for Wisconsin, I didn't see it on their website yet, but they did say that they are going to start putting out a lot more demographic data on the cases that test positive and those that die. So age, gender, um, ethnicity, that might we might be getting a little more data on that or pre-existing conditions that would really help us interpret the data. And, and again, I really wish we'd just been this would just be a federal mandate. Right. Like one thing they could have done that would really help the whole country um, in in this whole debate about whether we should start our economy or not. If you just have that from the get go, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks ago, and that is the the reporting guideline. And let's say it costs $100 million to rapid fire, get that kind of reporting in place and put people in place in each state to handle that data collection. Right now, we would know a lot more about who's impacted by these and whether we can do a targeted shutdown, whether we can do some targeted shelter in place actions. Um, but we, we even to this day, we still aren't doing that. And it's really frustrating to me because you think of really what everyone's saying is we need more data. We need more centralized data. We need more communication. And that's not happening. Um, right. And that on a positive note, the state of Washington, where this first outbreak occurred, they have really slowed their curve. And then when the people I've talked to out there, friends of mine, I said people have really responded to the call to stay home and be safe. And they're seeing that impact. Um, I, I, it'd be encouraging if more of what we saw in the daily briefing was less of this political spat and more looking at and explaining what Washington has done to slow things down, because they're a great example within our own country of how you could slow this caseload and slow the impact on the hospital. Um, right. But we're not we're not focusing on that. We're fo focusing a lot on New York City, we're fo focusing a lot on uh, the, the president's ups and downs. And there are things to learn from in this. And, and neither of those are probably the place to do it. Have we seen any pictures of Third Avenue and Sturgeon Bay with like deer and turkeys and stuff reclaiming <laughs> the, the coyote. street? Yeah, coyotes and, and moose and the black bear have returned to Door County. Velociraptors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why don't we jump into your conversation with Steve Jenkins? Uh, give me a little bit of a preview of what you guys talked about and then we'll We'll, uh, we'll wrap up and we'll jump into that. 
Sure. Uh, Steve Jenkins, the new director of the Door County Economic Development Corporation, he started his job on March 2nd. So we talked a little bit about what his background is, what brought him here, what it's like to start your job in the midst of a crisis, and what resources are out there for businesses and employees and, and people who are struggling based on our first read of the, the economic relief package that hopefully goes into effect in the next couple of days and what business owners need to know. It's not all the details yet, but at least some direction and some solutions for what everyone's going through right now. Great. Well, Miles, I think that'll just about do it for us today. Uh, thank you for chatting with me and uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. We'll jump into that Steve Jenkins conversation. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Miles. Okay, joining us today on the Door County Pulse podcast is Steve Jenkins, the new director at Door County Economic Development Corporation. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Miles. You have certainly come into this job at a very opportune time. What a wonderful time to be uh, working in economic development. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it is a challenging time, and um, I I'm one of those strange people. I like challenges and stress, and I think I do my best work at that 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 time. But not everybody feels that way, obviously. And 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 we have a lot of businesses and people that are hurting. And our responsibility is to reach out and serve uh, the business community, which then in turn obviously serves all of Door County uh, to help get through this and to hopefully come out on the backside in much better shape. I I um, think that we are are going through something that uh, is unprecedented, and so what it looks like on the other end, I don't know, but I think it's going to be different. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, well, before we get started on, on some of the stuff going on right now, let's. A, a lot of people don't know, know you. You started on the job on, I believe, March second. Tell us about your background, where you come from, your experience, and um, your first couple of weeks on the job here in Door County. Well, I, um, I'm originally from Tennessee, as you can probably tell from my accent. Uh, I, I thought that was a Washington Island accent. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a Southern Door. Accent. <laughs> um, I, uh, I went to the University of Tennessee in undergraduate and graduate work and have been an, an economic developer for 45 years. In fact, I just celebrated my 45th anniversary as an economic developer. I'm a uh, certified economic developer through the International Economic Development Council. I love what I do. I love economic development. I, uh, I really thrive in the environment that it presents. I have been in eight states in my career, serving uh, a variety of communities from large urban areas uh, to rural communities to regional organizations. I've served as an economic development consultant, both on strategic planning as well as site selection. So, um, again, it's it's one of those um, fields that I just fell in love with and believe that I've been blessed uh, to be a part of the economic development community and believe that I'm on this earth to do exactly what our creator intended me to do. And you say you love it. Why exactly? Like what um, gets you energized about this particular career path? Well, every day is different. And certainly you can uh, say that today. Uh, but I, I enjoy the challenge of helping communities grow and prosper uh, to the uh, assets that they have. 
and I believe that uh, when we do that, we're serving every single person in that community. Early in my career, I had kind of one of those life-changing perspectives occur to me when I was at a uh, function, and someone tapped me on the back, and I turned, and it was a lady in her probably uh, middle 40s, and she had tears in her eyes, and I said, may I help you? And she said, I just want to say thank you. And I said, for what? And she said, because of the work you do, my husband has a job he never dreamed he would have. And as a result, as a family, we have things that we never thought we would be able to afford. And it changed my whole perspective in terms of what this is all about. And it comes down to being a servant leader uh, to the community that you serve. And uh, I believe that, and I adhere to that. Uh, I think it's an important part of who I am. Uh, I'm a part of this community. I close Monday on a home. Uh, my wife will be moving up in uh, the middle of April, uh, hopefully as things calm down a little bit. I love Door County. I think it has wonderful assets, and I want to be a part of its future. Excellent. Um well, now that we know you a little bit, um, and we'll be getting to know you more in the months to come, hopefully, hopefully that means there's a lot of economic development going on. But in this particular moment, all businesses are on edge. Everybody's anxious. I mean, maybe maybe the grocery stores aren't. They might. This might be the best time to ever be a grocery store owner, <laughs> unless you don't like working all the time, as I see like the Kita family working nonstop and up in Sister Bay and, and the Northrop's at Main Street and, and the small mom and pop ones. But right. what... So much is coming out right now. There are SBA loans. There's resources you guys provide at Door County Economic Development Corporation. And then there are the the details rolling out from the, the what they're calling the CARES Act. I would call it a relief package and less economic st- stimulus, more economic relief. Um, Correct. Uh, what... Let's talk about some of the things that people know, need to know. First of all, what kind of help can people get from your office and your staff at Door County Economic Development Corporation? Well, our responsibility is to touch base with businesses that are that are struggling or are facing extreme challenges, and there is a way of doing that uh, in uh, contacting our office. We're working remotely, but we're all available, and there is a uh, form to fill out to us to request assistance, and we make contact with each one of those uh, inquiries to get a better feel for what are their challenges, what do they need, and then begin to connect the resources that are there to help them. And hopefully as this rescue bill, relief bill, whatever, it's not a, you're correct, it's not a stimulus bill, it's a rescue bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it will be passed today at the House and, and signed by the President. There are a lot of resources that we see in that bill to help businesses. I, do I think it's going to be enough? Probably not, but it's certainly a, a, a major step forward. And so our responsibility is to support our businesses, and there's a lot of businesses that are that are scared, they're struggling, and, and we want to do what we can to help them sustain their operations and hopefully uh, when things get better, be able to get back and and operating at a level that begins to, to create more cash flow for them. This is a unique situation that's never occurred. And, and I think that we, it, it came so quick and so um, dramatically that we were as a nation unprepared to deal with this. 
a lot of the resources out there for businesses are to finance their location, their startup, or their growth, not to uh, help them survive. And um, hopefully this bill that is now moving through Congress will be a big step in addressing that issue. In, in our I quick think, conversation yesterday, you had, you had mentioned just that in specifically in regards to your office, where it's normally about job creation, job growth, or job startups. And now, you, you know, the, an economic development corporation is normally not geared toward um, helping in this kind of situation so much. I mean, it's more about like, hey, how are you going to expand? How are we going to grow this area? Not how do we just keep the doors open? <laughs> that's true. And and so we've had to shift gears very rapidly. And I want to give a shout out um, to the board and to my staff because they are excellent. And, and so we had to shift gears overnight. So the, the strategic plan that we were operating on right now is on the shelf. There's more important things to do um, right now. And, and the urgency is there, and we take that very seriously. I do want to. I do want to go back to your opening comment. We we need to remember that there are people literally uh, working on the front lines of this battle, from our healthcare workers uh, to the grocery workers who uh, risk exposing themselves to the virus. And and we need to recognize that there are people doing their jobs because that's what they're supposed to do, and they're doing them very well. And some of them are taking huge risk, and we, we shouldn't forget that. And, and I hope people uh, reflect on that. There are a lot of people trying to help and doing what they need to do, what they can do at this very crucial moment. So a big shout-out to all those that are really sacrificing to make sure that we're healthy and we're fed and we get the materials that we need to get. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. I mean, there are, um, you know, for a lot of business owners, these are long days and stressful days. But at the end of the day, you're not charged with trying to save somebody's life or risk your own. Um, and, you know, in Italy, I, I saw a report yesterday. They've had 45 doctors who have died from the coronavirus. Um, yeah. in, in Boston, there are 165 healthcare workers who have been infected. And you just think of how unprepared we are for this already. And then you take that many out of a region. Or um, you think of even if you had to quarantine two or three of the of the staff at Door County Medical Center in the crisis, in the midst of a crisis and, and how how thinly staffed we would be. Um, so, yeah, it, you, you make a great point there. Um, one of the things that you have talked about a little bit is you guys have there's some small business association loans that are available. Could you tell me a little bit about that and what those are geared toward? Well, there's there's a couple of, of loans right now that are uh, where we're trying to get people connected to. One is the Small Business Economic Energy or Injury Disaster Loans, and and those are available online to file an application. And and we have teamed up with uh, the SBDC. Small Business Development Center at uh, UW Green Bay to provide support to applicants who are filing or wish to file uh, an application. And uh, the stated turnaround in SBA uh, earlier in the week um, said that they are going to try to stay to this timeline. Once you fill a, a uh, an application, file an application, and it's complete. And I think it's important to understand there are certain forms that have to be filed with the application. 
once the full complete application is filed, they intend to try to turn that around in three weeks. And that's a low interest loan, could be up to 30 years, uh, could be as high as $2 million per business based on your needs. So please don't think you're filing an application, you're going to get $2 million. <laughs> they will assess whether or not what you need, and, and that's what you will be able to secure. Uh, yesterday, they rolled out a bridge loan, an express bridge loan that can provide funds to operate uh, the business until the economic in injury uh, loan is approved and money flows into your account. And that information, we try uh, weekly and, and now more periodically uh, send out in our newsletter economic developments, information about these loans and how to ac access those loans. And I encourage everyone to look at the newsletter. If you do not now subscribe, I encourage you to go to our website and subscribe to that uh, newsletter. So it's livedoorcounty.org. Um, and when you talk about low interest rates, are, I, th I think I saw, is it like 2.75 to 3.75? Is that yeah, most yeah most most businesses will be at three point seven five. Nonprofits will be at the two point seven five percent. Okay. So so th those are active right now, and I encourage anyone to consider uh, filing for ones for working capital, so it allows you to continue to operate your business and pay your employees. So uh, that that's the best resource we have right now. Uh, pending uh, the the finalization of the rescue bill uh, in uh, Congress right now, which I notice now is up to $2.2 trillion. And let's talk a little bit about that rescue bill. A couple of the things that I think are pretty interesting, obviously, uh, my understanding is the f people who already get unemployment in Wisconsin, I think you would qualify for up to 300 and some dollars a week. But now the federal government is adding $600 on top of that to unemployment claims. Am I understanding that correctly as far as you know? And it, it, that's the way it came out of the Senate. And there is, there's a discussion about, uh, I, I think the, the, the point of discussion right now in the House deals with the unemployment benefits. I think there's some uh, of the representatives, and I think uh, there's at least four senators have voiced concern that we, we, we have to be careful that the benefit is so high that when the economy begins to recover, those people won't go back to work. So I think that's the bone of contention at the House level, and we'll, we'll have to see what happens uh, today. I think the rest of the package is probably going to go through without any difficulty at all. Um, and yeah, and there's been a lot of discussion on that online where people have said, well, why would you go, why would you keep your job if you could qualify for more? And I guess the first thing is it's it's sort of a, a straw man argument. You do have to lose your job to get unemployment. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> you you yeah. can't just quit and then go file. The business would just say, no, they quit. I mean, I've, I've been that way in that position as an employer where people have tried to, they've quit or just stopped showing up for work. And back when I was a restaurant owner and they'd file and the business owner gets that claim and we just say, uh, no, this person just no. stopped showing up. They don't, we had a job for them. <laughs> so you yeah, can't just yeah. start taking yeah. unemployment instead of work. 
Yeah, I think that the, the, I think right now the discussion is around is the benefit so rich. I know I hate to use that term because that's not it's inappropriate, but is it too high that as the businesses begin to reopen, uh, will there be uh, enough energy from the workforce that are receiving uh, unemployment benefits to actually go back to work? in jobs that may pay less than what the benefit is. I don't know. I I think that's um, above my pay grade to negotiate. But, yeah. Uh, so, but there will be some cash outlays also uh, to individuals and families that um, will be um, up to $2,400 for couples uh, plus $500 for each child in the household. Uh, that will be a check that will go directly to your bank account if you have um, uh, bank account information with the IRS, uh, or it'll be a check mailed to you if you've been receiving a refund check uh, directly. So there's some other benefits in there beyond the unemployment. And, th- and that check right now, especially for so many of the Door County residents who work in the service industry, which is the largest employment sector in Door County. Right, right now, they're completely, if not entirely shut down. I mean, their staffs are just slashed, obviously. Um, so right. that that twelve hundred dollar injunction injection, even though it's a the one one time payment, that can be huge for a lot of families right now. It, it can. And that's what it's intended to do is to um, to help these families um, buy food and and pay rent and so forth uh, in this initial period. Uh, if this is certainly extended, I don't hope that certainly that this will go on for months, but uh, there may be a revisit of that if it's protracted over, um, you know, more than a month. Um, and then another thing that more pertains to the employers, there is that provision in this bill as it sits now. It's, it's not final, like you said, but $350 billion for small businesses that would essentially be loans, but would could be forgiven if you don't lay off on any employees is kind of the basic way I've seen it laid out. Yeah. But there's got to be so much detail to figure out how the, that might be doled out, I, I, unless you know more about that. Well, and, and there's trying to find information on this bill it would make you think that it's a national security issue <laughs> um, because it's, it's a, if you read the bill, it's it's too complex to understand. So what we've been striving to do is to find, if possible, uh, kind of summaries of what that bill includes. And the best I saw came across this weekend from the Economic Development Council, International Economic Development Council, that uh, was multiple pages and did outline some of the uh, components of the bill, Including the $350 billion. But it was interesting that it's it's classified as loan guarantees. And so we're now trying to clarify exactly what that means in terms of getting the money out. Is it a loan guarantee against SBA lending? Is it a loan guarantee from commercial or going to commercial lenders to support uh, these loans? This is what's kind of frustrating right now is that we have this major bill coming down the pike um, that will be a benefit to uh, the businesses, yet finding the details has been pretty uh, daunting, to say the least. (laughs) 
Um, and some, as I understand it, looking at it, there's there are forgivable loans in there, but I don't know if it is embedded in the three hundred fifty billion dollars. I think there might be more than one pot of money. I hate to say that, but uh, that's that's what it looks like that it's going to be. And um, again, uh, I suspect, and hopefully it will pass uh, today and be on the president's desk, this weekend may be a very busy time for us trying to decipher what is actually coming to uh, the marketplace for our businesses and how that's going to be accessed. And uh, so, as I would say, stay tuned. <laughs> um, and then for, for small business owners, a lot of business owners have maybe gone for a traditional loan uh, in uh, almost certainly have at some point, but not many have interacted with this sort of situation. Um, you know, maybe some of our larger employers are bay, you know, the base ships of the world. They're, they're used to working with the army Corps of engineers and um, working with government to figure out incentives to do what they do um, or right. apply for federal programs. A lot of small businesses, your restaurants, your, 10-person offices have never had to go through this before. Who should they be talking to right now? Is this a situation where they should be on the phone with their own bank? I mean, even though you're saying it's not clear whether it would be through a commercial lender or the SBA itself, but what would you recommend a small business owner do right now to try and prepare themselves to, to figure this out? Well, I think certainly if you have an existing loan with a bank, you most definitely need to contact your lender to see what kind of uh, relief you can get in the short term, whether it's interest only or some other relief they may be offered. And I frankly think all banks are, are working with lenders in that regard. Uh, if, you, if it's a SBA certified lender, uh, they will help you through the process also of uh, accessing SBA loan funds. Again, if we know what the package looks like and what processes are going to be used, I certainly hope there's been some thought given to that because um, there's going to be a great demand for this money. And um, and so we can help with that. The banks can help with that. And we certainly encourage anyone to uh, pursue first touch with banks, and then they can certainly work through us if we can help. I'm just looking at the um, the bill uh, summary. So it's 349 billion in loan guarantees, but there's also 17 billion dollars for loan subsidies, uh, 10 billion dollars for emergency uh, emergency grants, whatever that means. <laughs> there's a hundred million a billion dollars in secondary market guarantee sales. So there's a lot in that package of which there's no detail around it. And and I think that's going to be our, our challenge. Um, and then another thing I would just drop in there for almost any business owner is, and, and any individual, if you have student loan debt payments, now is the time to call and, and get a forbearance or um, try to renegotiate your terms. Um, Absolutely. If credit card payments, mortgage, any mortgages and, and loans you have. Um, no, you can't guarantee anything, but there's... This is a time that banks are willing to work with people. And in some cases, there have been laws passed that that force them to work with you. So um, this is a good time to reevaluate a lot of your debt payments, if you're, especially if you're on the edge. Um, for some people, maybe that's not the first priority, but for other people that are paycheck to paycheck, um, I know student loans hit a lot of people in my age cohort and under 
that don't don't just assume you can't do anything about it right now. This is the time you you can probably do something about it. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm looking at there's a series of tax credits that are embedded in the bill also. So employee retention benefits, um, 50 percent returnable tax uh, payroll tax credit Hmm. uh, under this crisis. Uh, so there's a lot of pieces to this thing that are going to be uh, very uh, valuable for our business community. But again, you know, the, the devil's in the details, and that's what we don't know right now. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know you have a, a lot of questions being thrown at you and a lot of stuff you're trying to figure out down there. And um, certainly as you find out more information, please give us a call. We'd be happy to have you back on, give people any, any guidance and reassurance we can right now. And, well, I cert- certainly will do that. And then uh, hopefully soon enough, we're, we're talking about economic development projects again instead of uh, <laughs> rescue projects. Yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly the intent. And, um, you know, we're, we're taking a, uh, a look at uh, the recovery phase of this process right now and how we bring community leadership together to begin to talk about what did we learn, what were our vulnerabilities, and then how do we address that as we go into a recovery strategy for the entire county. All right. Thank you, Steve. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Appreciate it.